Hello, everyone, and welcome to KPMG in Canada's Building Construction and Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Rothfisher. I'm the national industry leader for our building construction and real estate practice here in Canada. And today we're here to talk about succession planning for privately owned businesses in the real estate industry in Canada. Joining me are Hockey CA, tax partner and regional lead for the real estate practice in the GVA, the Greater Vancouver area. And Steve Carrero, also a tax partner and leader of our family office practice here in Vancouver as well. Steve Hake, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Tom. Happy to participate and share my insights with the audience. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Look forward to the conversation. Awesome. So look, we have a very interesting subject to talk about today, so I'm going to dive right into it. And I think we all know that uh, privately owned businesses in the real estate industry in Canada have really enjoyed a lot of advantages over the last number of years. But that being said, you know, we see more and more that first generation owners of businesses really haven't had the opportunity to develop a formal succession plan. And, you know, that could be a really big issue for some of these companies. So I'd be really interested in what your observations are being out in the market and uh, let us know what you're seeing with regards to this issue. Thanks, Tom. The GVA market is dominated by privately owned family businesses, and in many cases, the business is founded and, and grown by a patriarch who's a baby boomer, and so he's in his 60s or 70s. And in most situations, there's little in the way of succession planning or estate planning, for that matter, that's been done. They don't like to talk about death or taxes, and they really don't want to talk about you know what the future looks like without them being part of the business. And so they're faced with this issue of a potential a huge tax bill in the event that something happens to the patriarch. Uh, the kids essentially inherit the tax bill. And because these are privately owned enterprises, there is no liquidity available. It's not like they can sell the shares of the company readily. They can sell assets to fund the tax liability, but it's very hard to sell the company as a whole. So now they're faced with a big tax liability and no way to pay for it. And furthermore, often the kids are either unwilling or incapable of taking over the business. So there is post-mortem issues that, that arise as a result of the death of the patriarch. This isn't specific to real estate. There are many other industries that are facing the same issues. But in real estate, is more of an issue because it's harder to sell a real estate company for a multiple of earnings, for example, because the brand itself may not necessarily be of much value. Steve, how about yourself? What are you seeing? Yeah, I'd echo what uh, Hockey is saying. I mean, you know, there's always triggering events, right? And it's the triggering events that's causing a lot of these business owners to sort of say, hey, we better do something. Obviously, one of the triggering events is death or, a, you know, a severe illness. And whether that's in their family or some of their colleagues or counterparts or whatever the case might be. And so it stands to reason that succession planning by the deathbed is not a recipe for success translates into a, you know, a lack of continuity in the business, uh, loss of business opportunities. Like the real estate sector, certainly in our marketplace, and I'd gather across Canada, it's a relationship-based business, right? It's um, whether that's relationships with governments, trades, municipalities, suppliers, or just other developers, or even access to capital, right? Banks and financial institutions. And so typically what happens is when the patriarch passes away, so do all those relationships and that know-how. And you go through a period of uncertainty, right? You go through a period of uncertainty that could cause cost overruns, project delays, most importantly, missed opportunities in a scarce land market. 
and you don't have that visibility and foresight into getting into the next project because that's really what it's about is finding that next piece of property, finding that next project uh, in this industry. I've got a prime example where a patriarch passed away and spouse inherited the shares, not really involved in the business in any way, shape or form. And it's an emotional time. You're dealing with mourning, you're dealing with lots of issues. And so the thought process right now is, well, we need to do something. We need to create some liquidity. And that's translating into, you know, possibly selling some assets to fund that estate tax liability that Hockey talked about, or just to free up some cash because that seems to be the simpler solution than trying to continue on with the business. So Steve, let's pull on that thread a little bit. You've given us some examples and we know with the pandemic that there are unexpected things that happen in life. And when that does happen, businesses often have to revert to you know emergency plans uh, in order to get through those situations. Help us understand a little bit more fully what the challenges are, what the consequences are of not having a fully flushed out succession plan in place. Like, like what are the actual risks that we're dealing with? Yeah, I mean, you know, we always, when we think about succession planning, we think about estate planning, or when we think about estate planning, we think about succession planning at the same time, because oftentimes the two the two run together. And, you know, Hockey made the point about estate tax, right? Like there's an estate tax liability there that's going to have to get paid. And with the increase in the value of real estate, that liability obviously has gone up as well. And so one of the most important things about estate planning is sort of pegging the value and then really the second most important thing is figuring out how we're going to fund that estate tax liability, right? You know, in a private business, if you haven't planned for that properly, guess where the cash is going to come from? It's going to come from the business. And what's that going to do? Well, that's going to hamper the the business's ability to buy a new piece of property or complete a project. It's going to, you know, intrude on their borrowing capacity to be able to sort of move the business forward and continue to do projects. So you know, if you don't plan properly, nobody is thinking about that. Nobody is working deals. Nobody's meeting with their counterparts. Nobody's sourcing capital. Nobody's looking for that next piece of property. And, and the business just, it, it stalls, quite frankly, right? And in real estate, if you're not doing the next project or the next deal, you're not generating cash flow. Fair enough. I mean, Hawkeye, anything to add? I would also add that the, um, Branding in the real estate doesn't really fetch a lot of multiples of earnings, unlike many other industries. It's typically a situation where you sell the real estate, and that can be readily done through brokerages and whatnot. But to package a company with all of its projects in various stages of completion and various other real estate investment assets, it's a difficult thing to achieve because people rather buy real estate than, than a company with you know contingent liabilities and all the other things that go with it. And the brand, frankly speaking, is often the patriarch himself who's got all the relationships. Like Steve was saying, it's a relationship business. So it's the patriarch that got relationships with the governments, the trades, municipalities, and all that kind of stuff. And so when that person goes away, the relationships go with him. And so it's not that easy to sell a brand just based upon the fact that he's done a few projects in the marketplace. All right. So then what are the potential options that are available for business owners that want to start planning for future succession? I mean, there are many examples, Hake, where linear succession just isn't possible. Either the next gen isn't quite ready yet or they're not interested, but there's still a desire to keep the business in the family. Or, Steve, we heard Hake say before that this is not a unique issue to real estate. Be very interested in what you're seeing in other industries and whether or not there are alternative options that uh, business owners in the real estate space should be considering. Hake, start with you. 
Thanks, Tom. Well, there are three sort of obvious options. Uh, the first one is a sale of the business, whether that's in a form of packaging the entire business and, and, and selling the shares of the company as a whole, or more likely is the scenario where you actually have, have to sell the pieces, specific project or specific properties in order to achieve the sale, typically done through brokers. And that's typically more the scenario you see, sale of the pieces opposed to sale of the whole company. The second possibility is if the kids are already involved in a business or are interested in getting involved in a business, there may be an ability to try to continue the business and hand it over to the next gen. At that point, you need to have a governance model that works so that to avoid any future conflict after the death of the patriarch. And so if there aren't any kids that are interested in, in the business or are capable of running the business, there's a possibility of hiring sort of professional management to continue the business on, but there are obviously risks involved in having non-family members run the business in the foreseeable future. And then last but not least, there is an, a possibility that they could convert the business by basically co converting what otherwise would be risky projects uh, and risky assets into something more passive in nature, like converting the real estate development business into a family office, for example, whereby the assets are now parked in, in sort of more easily manageable investments that don't require the type of relationships that a real estate business requires that Steve has already mentioned. Yeah, and Hake, just to pick up on your point, like the biggest difference between a real estate business and a typical operating business is if you think about a typical operating business, there's an enterprise value there that's attached to relationships, contracts, IP, equipment, and all of that together is what creates that enterprise value. Whereas in the real estate sector, like it's really all tied to individual projects, individual pieces of property, individual real estate. And so to pick up on your earlier point, pretty rare that we're going to find somebody vending a real estate business as part of their succession plan on an enterprise basis. Like it very much is about selling assets. And then when you're selling assets, it's interesting because to your point, when you're, when you're seeing migration to more family office, like that is part of a succession plan, but you still need a succession plan for what that new business becomes because all you're really doing is converting from one asset class, i.e. real estate, to usually a different asset class, cash, portfolio investments, things of that nature, which you know probably are a bit easier to manage. You got portfolio advisors, things of that nature, but you're still going to need somebody to look after the overall business, right? Which is, you know, maybe five different portfolios and kind of who brings it together and who makes the investment decisions, right? So there's quite a big difference between real estate businesses and just general operating businesses. And, you know, I, I always think when people sell their businesses, they think life's going to be easier. It actually isn't. It just becomes complicated in different ways. To, to Hockey's point, like the, the three options are selling assets and kind of migrating to a different business professionally managed business, or basically it's a family member that's going to carry on the business. The key to success in those though, is really identifying who a successor is going to be, assuming we're going to take the sale option off the table, whether it's family or otherwise. But the critical thing is time, right? You need time to allow for the transition to happen. You need time for the know-how, IP, relationships, skill set of the matriarch or the patriarch to kind of transition and pass along to the new person. There's training, there's development there. And what I always find is just as important to that is there's a training there for the matriarch and the patriarch to allow that to happen. You know, there's a lot of pride. There's a, there's a bit of ego there 
This is the way they've always done it. It's been successful to allow them to sort of let go or maybe to allow them to take on a different role in the organization doesn't just happen. Like you need time to allow that to happen as well. This has been really helpful. And quite frankly, I see this as a pretty big issue, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, a pretty big issue for a lot of our real estate businesses that we're seeing. Before we wrap things up, I'd really love to hear if you could just mention the top one or two things that you think our business owners should consider if they are actually thinking about implementing a successful succession plan. Hawkeye, we'll start with you again. Thanks, Tom. I would say that the one and most important thing is to avoid procrastination. Is because many of the patriarchs in the family do not like to talk about death or taxes and they procrastinate. So they leave it for years and years until something actually happens. The second observation is that I often see these haphazard plans that are put together quickly just to try to deal with the immediate tax bill, which involves a simple state freeze of some sort, but really not a holistic plan that talks about all the different moving pieces, including secession and talk about the governance model post-death and all the other drills that goes with a more holistic plan to achieve the sort of uh, overall success of the family going forward. I would echo that, Hockey. It's time, like you've heard me say it before, to be successful at this. It's allowing enough time to be able to do it and allow the transition to happen. It shouldn't just happen sort of when those triggering events, death, illness occur. And then just from a family office perspective, what we see a lot is the family dynamics and how they play into this, right? And, and ensuring that the right governance structure, as you said, Hockey, is in place to allow family members to make the required decisions for the business whether that's in their capacity as employees of the business or in their capacity as owners of the business. With family businesses, the one litmus test that I always sort of hold them to is like, you want to be able to have the family dinner at Christmas time and it be a fun family dinner where everybody's having great conversation as opposed to there being animosity and tension. So uh, that is the one interesting aspect of family businesses is, is the family element to it. And understanding what everybody's role is uh, in in the business and, and putting in the right protocols in place to ensure that that peace and harmony continues to, to be there. That was uh, very helpful. Those were, were great points. And uh, I certainly want to thank you very much for taking the time to uh, be with us today and, and share your insights. It's, it's greatly appreciated. Thanks, Tom. And I think the discussion about succession planning is important and the narrative that needs to be continued and that conversation needs to be had because it is very important to our clients. Yeah, thanks, Tom. I agree with Hockey. It's an uh, interesting conversation and given the aging population, I think we're going to see this a lot more with our clients going forward. I want to also extend a, a big thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Please do join us for more real estate content on our industry podcast as we continue to share the latest trends and insights with you in our KPMG Podbytes platform. Take care, everybody.